All right, folks, this is Jake Hofer, and this is The Land Podcast. I know this is a day late, but I promise it is not a dollar short in terms of value provided here today. Full disclosure, this is an episode of me just rambling. So it's uh, me kind of doing a little monologue here of uh, telling a story here of what's happened. And I was a little hesitant to share. I didn't know how to share this, but regardless, I think that there's a lot of good insight here. I'm happy to share a very exciting story that has transpired really in the last 50 days or so. And uh, there's even some more, I guess, to this story that uh, we'll share here later this season as well that will help tie in and make all of this make sense. And basically what's going on is I have sold my current house where I have lived um, previously and have bought a new home. And I'm just excited. I'm just excited to share this. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. And I really haven't shared this too much at all with even um, some family and extended family and friends because I, as a broker, I see deals fall apart. I see deals blow up. I see, you know, someone gets cold feet. And when you have a multiple, a domino effect of contingent offers lined up, it is just crazy things happen. I mean, maybe an appraisal comes in low, maybe an inspection comes back bad and the seller and buyer aren't able to come to terms and one of them decides to walk. So what we're going to be breaking down is just uh, a lot of frankly good luck that all this panned out and i'm very excited to share this as we are post closing so just some super quick housekeeping notes before we get into it we have the resource sign up with the link tree in the description of this podcast we're still working on that and we're going to have some really good insight here for you guys to take advantage of and let's see what else exodus has some trail cameras in stock right now and that's quickly going to change we always say when when it's in stock on the store and you've been waiting scoop it up because there's a lot of demand bottled up right now and whenever we get them in stock we have a long list of people that are wanting to buy those cameras so we have lift twos and renders in stock right now and those will be quickly going out of stock here if um, the velocity still kind of continues to where it's at right now so i think that is enough for all of the introductions let's go ahead and get right into this and i'm going to break down the entire transaction of scooping up this house and 40 acres so here we go and I'll reiterate one more time, there's not a braggadocious bone in my body when it comes to this. I've just found so much value by having guests here on the podcast and hearing their stories and how they basically navigated these waters and uh, the privilege of working with clients in the past and having the ability to ask people that are very sharp, ask them questions and uh, kind of piece all this together. So this whole transaction kind of, it's very interesting. So there's a handful of properties just like anyone I'm sure just like you where you drive around it's maybe in your area and you're like man if that ever went for sale I'd love to buy that and I have a list I have a quite literally a list of those on paper of what these would be and approximately two-ish weeks before all this kind of started to initiate my girlfriend Rand and I were driving by this property and I said you know if that ever went for sale that would be something I would be very interested in if you know, everything worked out. And so <clears throat> I had a property listed within this area and I got a call on Sunday and said, Hey, we're interested in this property. Um, do you want to come out and check out our property? Because we're going to have to sell ours to purchase this one. 
And sure enough, it was the property that we drove by a couple weeks ago. And I said, I would be interested in that. And so I disclosed that, hey, I would potentially be interested in this. I'm happy to come take a look at it. And um, let's get the tour here and figure out what's going on here. So that's exactly what happened. And after looking at it, I said, okay, certainly interested. Want to do a little bit of due diligence and figure out if there's any way that this could really happen. Now, what's even more interesting, I, I feel like I need a, a whiteboard here to explain this story, but so that happened, but even just a couple of days before that happened, I helped some clients sell a house in town. They bought another property. I did not represent them in their purchase, but I did represent them in the sale and they bought that house and they did not like it. They wanted to be back in the previous town and they texted me and said, Hey, you're going to think we're crazy. We don't really like our new house and we're looking for this type of house in this town. And if you come across anything, let me know. And at the time I said, okay, yep, that's no problem. Kind of, you know, brush it off as in like, I'll just keep my ears open. And if there's anything that comes to market, I'll let them know. And it just so happened to be that the house, the type of house they were looking for was literally where I lived previously to where I'm at right here this second. And that was just a branch style house on a dead end street on the edge of town. And so all this happened. I went and looked at this new house in 40 and I told them, I was like, Hey, you won't believe it, but we might be listing our house for sale. If you guys are interested, come take a look at it and let's see if this all works out. So in the meantime, we have the people, the house in 40, they're writing an offer on a listing of mine and we hash those deals out. We have a signed purchase agreement. They need to sell their house in 40. In the same time, in order for me uh, and Miranda to buy this house in 40, we would have to sell our house in town. And so <laughs> somehow in this whole ordeal, we were able to get our house under contract, write a purchase agreement for the house in 40 and then the house in 40 they were able to drop the contingency on their contract so just like that able to piece together three deals in a very quick fashion and the people that were buying my house the terms were were favorable in the sense of um you know they were doing inspections and really the only contingency was the appraisal which we knew would come back okay so that deal had very strong solid footing and uh, they did not have to sell their new house that they were going to sell soon. It was just a straight offer, no contingencies. So that's the first layer of the first layer of basically a strong foundation for these three continuous deals to all tie together. And then <clears throat> all of this, when I was saying this out loud, and I talked to a few people, and they're like, you know, somewhat mixed feedback, as in. That sounds like a lot has to go right, which is 100% true. And I was on the same board because, like I said, I've I've seen deals fall apart. It's not very often, but a lot of times, I guess not a lot of times, I would say maybe one in every 15 deals I do, it doesn't meet the closing table. And it's for various reasons. Maybe the pre-approval letter was not as uh, thorough as it needed to be. There's been times where they just could not come to terms on a repair addendum. There's been terms where... You know, the, the list goes on and thankfully it's not super lengthy as we're able to close most of the deals, but <clears throat> that's in my back of my mind as well. And so the only deal I'm really representing as an active broker 
is the listing that I have where the folks at the house we are trying to buy goes into that house. So that's the only deal I have and everything else was basically disclosed. I'm an agent and I'm not providing any representation for anyone or myself. I'm just buying it as a citizen uh, here. So now you're maybe wondering like, what's so special about this house in 40 acres? And it's not because there's giant Boone and Crockett deer in the 40 acres or the surrounding area or butts up to, I don't know, a thousand acres of non-hunting area. Honestly, the deer hunting here is, I would rate as good on a scale of one to 10. I'd put it at like a probably a five. And so the reason it's a five is because there's good deer. Don't get me wrong. There's solid deer. The age class, it's right where things we've talked about this, like where the, where the bluffs meet ag. And this is kind of on the backside of the bluff where there's rolling terrain. It's pretty gentle. And then it gets to where it's the most productive dirt on earth. And when I say that I've seen there's uh, three tracks that sold over $15,000 an acre at auction here recently. So when I say the most productive dirt on earth, I really mean it. And so that's kind of like where it goes from bluff, it goes to rolling terrain, cattle ranches. And when I say ranches, I'm not talking about ranches out west, but you know, a solid amount of head of cattle. And then it's just slightly rolling farm ground and then flat as a pool table. So that's kind of where this falls. It's where another mile or so, or probably even less than that, it would be flat as a pool table and extremely productive dirt. So it kind of checks the box there. The hunting pressure, I would say, is pretty high for this area. And there's not necessarily small parcels chopped up but some of the larger parcels that are where people do hunt it's it's pretty high pressure i'm not i know you probably listening to this from pennsylvania or michigan and you're, you're like what the heck i'm just saying relative to this area and so you're thinking you know why is this parcel so cool or we you know what's going on here so this house in 40 acres was my great grandfather's farm so my great grandma great grandpa I actually, I'm the youngest grandchild on my mom's side, and so I actually remember them. My great-grandpa lived to be 103 years old, and my great-grandma lived to be like 99 years old and like 360-some days. So I remember them probably, my great-grandpa was alive until I was about seven or eight, so I remember them. This was their farm. So this was their original house, home farm. It's not the original house. This was their original farm. The original foundation of the house is on this 40.00 acres, which is kind of symbolic to me in terms of, you know, the 40 acres in a mule <laughs> or just 40 acres in a homestead. It's 40.00 acres and it's on the original 40 that was on my mother's side. And then, which had a lot of value and sentimental value as they sold this farm, obviously long before I was even a thought, but the, <laughs> To be able to get it back into, I guess, the family to me was really cool and it checked off some other goals down the road to, you know, live on some acreage with a house. And so it's a pretty basic house, it's a three bedroom, two bath, brick style ranch house. It's kind of dated in a lot of ways, but that's completely okay with us because uh, we're able to put our touch and uh, finishes on it. But to break down the actual 40 acres here, so. It's rolling old pasture. There's mature oaks on it. There's some hardwoods on it. And it's very sparingly. It's what you picture an old cattle ranch or cattle rolling pasture where there's like just some giant old 200 year old oaks 
throughout the property. And there's not a ton of them. There's a lot of sunlight still hitting the dirt. And then 25% of it is was productive tillable ground. And then it's no longer tillable. It could be, but we'll dive into the loan details on why it will not be cash rented now. And I'm totally okay with that. So it's 40 acres, 25% of it being old tillable ground, which would be 10 acres. And uh, the access is okay. It's not multiple sided access, but that's okay. It has uh, very good access for north and west winds and northwest winds, and that's obviously where <clears throat> those cold weather good days are, are anyhow. And uh, <clears throat> what I'm really excited about is that, once again, it's it's one of those kind of blank canvases that we talk about and ask about here on the podcast and Trail Cam Radio. There's a creek that runs through basically the majority of the property and winds around in, in multiple ways, so uh, it's very cool. The neighbors are fantastic people. I've known them for a long time and actually ran into them at the post office yesterday. And they're like, Hey, I heard we're neighbors. We're super excited to have you, which is obviously very cool. And they own quite a bit of ground here in this direct area and uh, very excited to be neighbors with them. And then, you know, to the other sides of it, it's basically all people that I know pretty well. And, uh, it's just right on the bubble where it's, they're farmers, not necessarily deer hunters, and I'm more than fine with that. And uh, there's another large track of some people that hunt that that I know very well. So this is a pretty cool, fun thing to be in an area with a lot of positive vibes, I guess, or positive people where it's not like you have the rogue neighbor or you have the jerk neighbor. I don't anticipate that to be the case here at all, which is obviously very exciting. And like I said, I do not... Right now, it's not a, a Boone and Crockett deer neighborhood. I could point on the map and tell you where some of those are. This is not one of them. I'm okay with that. And I think over the years, uh, as we improve this 40, I know it's only 40 acres, and you know that's still a lot of ground, but it's not necessarily enough to hold and protect a ton of bucks to get them to the next age class. But I do think it will potentially improve and maybe uh, have the goal of trying to get the area here on a little bit of a co-op. But honestly, at the end of the day, I'm just so darn happy to have uh, 40 acres out in my backyard, and uh, I'm more than happy with good hunting as I have other places to go, and uh, which I would consider to be in some great deer neighborhood. So you're probably thinking, like, how in the world could I afford this? Could I swing this? And it's not as crazy as you think, and I'm going to break it down uh, to my level of comfort to help illustrate how this happens. So originally the first house we bought it it was the the ranch style house on the dead end street in town and we got a 15-year mortgage on that home put a pretty strong down payment on it and it had a lot of the newer updates already done so it already had a new roof it had new windows and a lot of the i hate to say it but like old person updates like the new ac but cosmetically it was it was pretty dated. So what we did is we put in all new floors throughout the entire house. We painted the entire house. There was a three-room sunroom that we actually completely remodeled and added basically another 280 square foot to the house and it had a three-car garage and so it was a house that would appeal to a lot of different people. It would appeal to a young family, it would appeal to an older couple, it would appeal to really just about anyone because of all the storage it had the location, and then all of the uh, new remodeling. So it wasn't a total remodel. We were still planning on doing the kitchen at some point, 
but in terms of cosmetics, we did a lot in the time that we were there. And so by having that 15 year mortgage too, you know, we were chopping into that principal much rap. If, if you want to get a little salty at mortgages, look at the amortization rate of a 15 year mortgage versus a 30 year mortgage. And you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And so we had the 15 year mortgage. We threw some extra money every single month at it and we're able to really chip away and have a good chunk of equity in the house. Now that played into a huge role of being able to basically buy the house in 40. And at the end of the day, we really just took the proceeds of that, had to put a little bit extra money down. And then we went from a 15 year mortgage to a 30 year mortgage, which I was not super excited about. I know if you've listened to this, I, a little bit of a, of a Dame Ram, Dave Ramsey person, and he preaches the 15 year mortgage. And, uh, in a lot of ways, I think it is truly a great product for the average person. And, the argument, the other argument is like, well, you can do a 30 and just pay extra and put it on a 15 year schedule. The data shows that people don't do that. It's not, you know, people aren't investing the difference. People aren't uh, making those extra payments because that money basically just disappears into who knows what else. So that was something that was a bit of a drawback because we were going from a 15 year mortgage to a 30 year mortgage. Our payment uh, is increasing a bit and it's also for twice as long from what we were used to. Now I'll say this though, we were able to get a 30 year mortgage on a house in 40 acres. So we're getting basically the same loan rate of what you would get for buying a house in town. It's a 30 year fixed rate, low interest rate to what, you know, what markets are seeing right now with, uh, mortgages. So lock in a very low rate for 30 years for a house in 40 acres where we think that the land is going to continue to appreciate at a solid value and uh, we'll be able to put some equity in the house by uh, making the improvements and, you know, it was basically improving the house overall and updating a lot of the different things. So we felt very good with that. We have a good down payment down on the property too. And, uh, you know, felt solid there. It was able to, like I said, in a perfect world, would love to do the 15 year mortgage, but in reality, felt also a level of comfort by locking in that low rate for 30 years. I mean, as we talked here, there's not a ton of fixed long rate terms for land loans itself. So when you look at that, it's like, okay, we're able to lock this up for 30 years. Rates are super low. Um, what's, you know, that, I think it makes a lot of sense in that, in that regard. We bought the property at, I would say, pretty close to fair market value. So it's not like a deal where we're going to get rich. And this was more of a consumption purchase. Honestly, it's not something that uh, was an investment. It's something that we obviously don't think we're going to lose money on, or it's something that we don't think is a terrible decision, but it's not something where we're just going to see this giant return. And even if we did by some, you know, some form of luck, it's something that we won't realize those gains anyhow, because we're going to stay right here. So that's something to be said about that. Now you're probably also thinking, well, the market's going to crash. Things have been crazy. All these different things. I mean, you can read into the headlines and just anticipate for this crash. And I do think that the appreciation in real estate that we've seen or the increase in value that we've seen in real estate in the last two years is a lot. I will be the first person to say it. A lot of these properties have seen 15 to 20% gains in just two years across the board. And 
I don't think it's something where it's going to see a giant pullback. Personally, this is my opinion, where we're going to see this giant crash or this giant pullback. I do think that things are going to stabilize drastically. I don't think we're going to be seeing those same level of returns. I think the market's going to stabilize. I think that inventory is going to catch up with demand and you know, all those things are going to come to fruition. And I mean, there's a lot of crazy things going on in the world. And at the same point, I remember this in my freshman year of college when I was just starting to pay attention to the stock market in my dorm room, we got the Jim Cramer. Uh, I can't remember what the show is, but it's like, he's a stock guy and it's like a very fast paced, low level of information. And it's, it's more of an entertainment show. It really is, but he's going through and buy, sell and all these different things. And I remember even then, which would have been 2014, 15 was my freshman year. And the market was always, this is the stock market, always hitting a record high, record high, record high. It's got to pull back, record high, record high. It's got to pull back. And if you look at the chart and move it, it always looks like we're due for a giant correction. And now there's a lot of indicators that say that this is coming and no one can predict it. But the one thing that always comes back to my mind is, Time in the market always beats timing in the market. And if you sit there and you're paralyzed by thinking that there's going to be some crash coming, then you're never going to you're never going to make the jump. And when you're looking at a scope of 15 years, 10 years, you know, I find a lot of peace in like, well, this is going to appreciate. You know, if you're betting on America, if anything is uh, going to remain the same in terms of just continued strong growth on a long scale form then you can feel good about it. And that's where we're at with this. Obviously, there could be a black swan event again, or you know, you can't predict the future. But at the end of the day, uh, this is our house. This is where we sleep at night, and that's where we can feel good. At the end of the day, we feel just so lucky and fortunate that all this tied together. And uh, I mean, there's definitely some adjustments that will be need to be made uh, as we transition from a 15-year mortgage to a 30-year mortgage and uh, many other things that go into that. And there's a whole other story that goes into this that I'm going to be saving here for later this year, probably December or January uh, is when I'll go ahead and share this other story that ties right into this. And it's just, uh, hopefully this did some level of justice in terms of explaining all this. It's kind of hard to interview yourself, but that's what we try to do here and just kind of share the process. And if you guys have any questions, I would be happy to put them together and I could buzz through them on another episode and answer all of the questions that you may have. And we're, I guess this at the end of the day, we're, we're lucky, we're fortunate. And when you, you know, lay everything out, you know, for all this to tie together with no hiccups, no extensions, like honestly, pretty silky smooth closing uh, for all of them. And then the people that ended up buying my house, I listed their home and we sold it for uh, more than what they bought it for just a couple months ago. And uh, they were able to get out of there basically completely unharmed of that short-term decision. So, I mean, all in all, I just feel like it was a win-win situation for everyone. And there was, you know, no one's getting rich off any of these deals. I don't want someone's listening like, well, you know, maybe you had inside information or something like that. No, it it was honestly just free market <laughs> decisions uh, for everyone, and I think uh, I think it just, I think it panned out for everyone. Obviously, we just closed on this Friday, and I'm unpacking now, and it is a process. Anyone that has moved recently will know the pain that it 
unpacking, packing everything. And, and uh, where'd you put that? Where can I find this? But at the end of the day, very excited to design this 40 acres, very excited for everything that's coming down the pipeline. And uh, for anyone that's listening to this and they feel that their first piece of ground feels so far away or, <clears throat> you know, the house and acreage for them feels impossible or you can't reach it. I get it. I've been there and just keep working hard, making decisions towards that goal and you'll catch a break or two along the way. And you may catch a couple bad breaks along the way, but if you keep at it, it'll happen. I have no doubt about it. If you would have told me that all of this would have happened just even realistically, even six months ago, I probably would have you know, said you were crazy, but you know, we're here, we're happy, we're excited, and we hope you guys enjoyed this. And like I said, if you have any questions, I think that would be uh, valuable as I've just rambled here basically the entire time uh, to tell this story. <laughs> and I hope you guys enjoy it. It's been so fun talking with all of you guys that have reached out. And that's always an open invitation. If you'd like to be on the podcast, send an email. And uh, if you have any podcast ideas, always all ears. We're getting ready to roll through this deer season and hopefully uh, find some deer here. I'll tell you this though, for this <clears throat> house in 40 here. My expectations are are pretty low, just to be completely to be completely honest. So I could be pleasantly surprised, but I think going into year two or year three, those expectations will change drastically. And uh, just excited to have a place to recreate. All right, thanks for listening to this week's episode. And as always, written reviews are the fuel for this podcast. That's how we reach more people. We don't have any sponsors. We don't do we don't plug anything. <laughs> All it is is just trying to provide value. So a written review would be really awesome to help reach new people. And as always, there's the link tree in the description and you can go and check everything out there. And as always, appreciate everyone. Have a wonderful week. Good luck this season and good luck this weekend. The season's probably open for you guys. And until next time, see ya.